Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. This is your host, Alex, and I am back at it again with a new episode this week as we continue our journey through the Book of Esther. Now, I have spoken uh, a number of times, and I actually even was double-questioning myself from last week. Did I tell you I was going to do chapters 4 and 5 and then only do 4 and not do 5? And, and I was going back and forth in my head on that all week. So we're going to do 5 and 6 today, so... Uh, I know we haven't gone through five in detail um, because this is where Esther is preparing for a banquet. So, and then uh, Haman plans to hang Mordecai. That's uh, verses nine to uh, looks like the end of the chapter, which is verse fourteen, uh, and that's a, a bit of a long verse there. And then we're going to get to sixteen. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter six, not sixteen. Uh, and we're going to see the king honors Mordecai. And that's the whole chapter. Uh, so not uh, there's 13 verses here. So only 27 verses in total. We're going to work through that and hopefully uh, get you on your way. Um, and uh, next week we will do 7 and 8 and then 9 and 10. And then we should wrap up Esther. Now, just to kind of give you some heads up that uh, this episode drops on the 19th. Um, we'll say 7 and 8 drops on the 26th. And then 1, 2, 3, hmm. That's a let me let me ponder this because if I can do uh, if I can do three chapters next week I don't know we'll figure it out what I, my goal is to finish Esther before the Christmas break so Esther might, the end of Esther might be dropped on a Tuesday as a bonus episode that's a that's an additional potential so keep your eyes on the lookout for that. I haven't really decided yet, but here's what I got going. So December 3rd, 10th, and 17th, those are the first three Fridays in December. We will have uh, our Christmas series that we do every year uh, for those three weeks. And then the 24th, we'll have a special Christmas Eve um, episode. And then the 25th, I I don't know if I'm going to do two or just do one big episode for the 24th. Uh, I think we did two last year. I'm not entirely sure how I want to do it this year, but... um, 
we might do two, and I might just kind of do my my twenty fifth as my sermon because uh, I'm going to host a Christmas morning uh, sermon uh, series at the church. So we'll have um, Christmas Eve service at the church. As I just bumped my mic, uh, Christmas Eve service at the church, and then uh, Christmas morning six thirty a.m. bright and early. Uh, very excited for it. But that's coming up now. Um, for those who follow Quorum Deo Life, it's quorum.deo.life on Instagram. That's the new handle for my page. Uh, I have since retired reformed underscore lifestyle. And, and and I'll explain that too for a quick brief minute. But um, I did a Q&A the other day. And for those who follow me, had a bunch of you had asked me, will you talk about the differences, differences between Lutheran theology Baptist theology and Presbyterian theology, and then how do you guys differ from Calvinist? I had a lot of people say, oh, I thought Lutherans were all Calvinist, or, you know, and then it just went on and on. So uh, I had mentioned that I am going to do an episode. It'll be a Tuesday bonus episode. I'm If I can make it happen, we'll drop it the 14th uh, of December, uh, maybe the 7th if I can get it in faster. But that will, um, it might actually be the 14th because the 7th, I don't know. I got. I got to get my dates here in order. So um, that'll drop soon, and I'm going to have a special guest. I'm not going to name this person just yet uh, until we have the episode recorded. But I have a special guest coming on, and we will walk through the big differences uh, between Calvinism and uh, the Lutheran theology. Um, this particular special person is a Calvinist. So we will see both of those uh, sides of the coin. Um, I come from the Calvinist circle. So, you know, there will be some really good conversations there. And then I'll be able to kind of share some of the core Lutheran theology that I've picked up on and why I've kind of walked away from it. So that episode, I I think that might be my biggest episode to date. However, I am going to say this too, and I'm not naming names yet because we want to make sure all of our eggs are in order. I have a panel coming on, and we are going to do a Rantathon uh, 2021, and that will be uh, dropping January 1st. And I've got a I've got a group of amazing guys joining me for that particular episode. I cannot wait. I'm very very excited for it. So. Keep your eyes on the lookout. So tons of UL episodes coming down the chute. Um, I did a bonus episode that dropped today as I record this episode. It's uh, Tuesday, uh, the 16th. So a bonus episode dropped. So as you listen to this on Friday, go back. It was on uh, the baptism or not to baptize. It was actually titled Baptize or Not to Baptize. And I just kind of playing a little bit of Shakespearean fun there. But it's the text in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus and Jesus. And so uh, I joined Chris from Ezra Reza Law, who will uh, actually read us the text today for 5 and 6. And uh, we, t- we walked through that text, and we talked a bit about both uh, angles of it. How can this text you know, refer to one thing, or how can it be interpreted differently? Um, and you know, we poked fun at some some things and, you know, just make sure that, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not calling people out individually, but we had some fun with, you know, the internet, uh, Calvinists, if you would. Um, there's a lot of brilliant Calvinist theologians out there and I'm talking more or less for the cage stagers that just go on and, and rampage people's pages. Um, so check that episode out and, uh, 
that dropped this past week, and we are going to record another episode, which will drop for uh, Undying Light next Tuesday as well. So, you know, the 23rd will be that. Maybe I'll wrap the 30th and make that the end of Esther, and then we'll do uh, the third kickoff Christmas. So uh, a ton of bonus episodes coming towards the end of the year. Uh, I know you guys are busy traveling and doing all sorts of stuff, so I want to try to fill your listening time with my uh, smooth jazz voice. Um, if you guys are, you know, that into it, I, I know that I was actually having a conversation. I don't remember if it was with Anthony or somebody, but we were talking about, um, the, the kind of the culture right now that we find ourselves in as Christians and how we used to be big time podcast listeners, um, back when our commutes to work were an hour long. And now a lot of us are working from home. And so the listens are tremendously down because we just don't have the car time anymore. And, and I realized that I was like, boy, that's really, that really shines bright because, you know, prior to COVID, um, my, my trend was really good. And then after COVID it's kind of, it's dwindled. And I find that a lot of people just aren't listening in the car. Um, and so they have to make purposeful time now to listen to the show. And so for those who listen to the show, my blessings and thank you are, are, unmeasurable to you because you continue to make this show go forward as well as uh, if you are a patron you are a you know a, a, a fundamental piece to this show and uh, something I'm bringing back for them is video podcasting so uh, I'm recording myself on video right now and they will be able to watch me talk and um, record this episode and they'll get the blunders and everything that I cut out in po- in the post-production. They'll get all of that live in the show. Um, and it's, you know, a big perk, I think, to them. They really seem to enjoy it when I did it over the summer. So if you come on and be join us on Patreon, dollar a month gets you access to everything. And this is all exclusive content to them only uh, just as well as I finished uh, the Galatians commentary for them last week. They've got, uh, I wrote commentary on the whole book of Galatians. Um, the Romans study is actually uh, open to the public. It's on my website, undyinglight.org. So go and check that out. But this is uh, exclusive to patron only. So with that said, uh, let's get into the show. I've, Oh, b- before we do, I wanted to make note of why I changed my name. Uh, to quorum.dale.life. Um, I had been going back and forth for a long time changing the name. Uh, and I think it really came to head as I realized that a lot of my beliefs are kind of moving away from the Calvinist circle and more into a Lutheran circle. And so uh, the Reformed lifestyle didn't quite stick with my personality very much. Now, you know, Luther was the first reformer and, you know, I will always hold true to the fact that we are uh, reformers, but I just felt like the name just needed to retire and I needed something new. So Coram Deo is in the presence of God. And I felt, you know, that it's an appropriate name for this page going forward as we will stand in the presence of God. This is our life and this is our duty. And so it's Coram Deo life. That's you know, living life in the presence of God. So uh, that is that going on. And uh, guys, let's get into the show. Here is Chris with uh, chapters five and six. I'm going to have him read both of these and uh, and then we will take our commentary on through. Here you go. Esther, 
chapter 5. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, in front of the king's quarters, while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight, and he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter, and the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to, it shall be given you, even to the half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king had said, or has said. And Haman went out that day joyful and glad of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he neither rose nor trembled before him, he was filled with wrath against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, and he sent and brought his friends and his wife Zeresh. And Haman recounted to them the splendor of his riches, the number of his sons, all the promotions with which the king had honored him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and the servants of the king. Then Haman said, Even Queen Esther let no one but me come with the king to the feast she prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her together with the king. Yet all this is worth nothing to me, so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows fifty, let a gallows fifty cubits high be made, and in the morning tell the king to have Mordecai hanged upon it. Then go joyfully with the king to the feast. This idea pleased Haman, and he had the gallows made. Esther, chapter 6. On that night, the king could not sleep, and he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds, the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written how Mordecai had told about Big Thana and Tiresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, What honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's young men who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for him. And the king's young men told him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, What should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman said to himself, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman said to the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let royal robes be brought, which the king has worn, and the horse that the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown is set. And let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials. Let them dress the man 
whom the king delights to honor, and let them lead him on the horse through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai and led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. And Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him. Then his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. All right, guys, thanks so much, uh, Chris, for reading that. You have been uh, instrumental in this whole journey to work through the book of Esther. There's a lot of tough language to deal with, and I just uh, I just don't have the full mind, if, if you would, uh, the, the extensive, extensive vocabulary. Um, my, my tongue does not like to operate in the manner I want it to. So Chris has been kind enough to step in and record these chapters for us through this book. Um, and, uh, he's been doing a phenomenal job. So, uh, we, we start here in chapter five, uh, we're going to go through five and six today and uh, very short chapters, not a ton happening, but we do need to highlight, um, some of these verses here. So, uh, let's look at, uh, verse one here in chapter five, uh, Esther stood dressed in Royal robes where the King could see her. And on the third day, uh, this is after the third day of the fast, which throws us back to chapter four. Uh, verse two held out Esther, the golden scepter. After this tense moment, the King, by extending his scepter, indicated that he is willing to hear what Esther had to say. And Heroditus characterized Ahaznate. Ahasuerus as a man easily swayed by feminine beauty. Uh, sounds like a little bit like uh, Solomon, right? I know. <laughs> if you remember that, there's your there's your sign. I'm sorry if you can hear the background noise. My daughter's running around upstairs, but I'll try to minimize that. <laughs> um, all right, so verse three, uh, half of my kingdom. This is a, a hyperbole, and Ahasuerus extravagantly offered Esther. Uh, virtually anything she ever wanted. Uh, he repeats this offer again in verse 6 and in chapter 7, verse 2. An identical offer is made by uh, Harold Antipas to Solomon in uh, or Salmon, Solomon in Mark 6.23. Uh, now, let's move on to verse 4. Again, I just, I'm walking through, these, through this text as quick as possible. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, there's not, there, there's stuff going on. It, it's you know, but just to get the bigger context of what some of these phrases in these verses are, are pointing towards, um, the, kind of the goal. You know, you could read this, and it's pretty self-explanatory. And the reason I say that is because this is more of a historical book, and so it's a little bit more on the dry side. We don't have prophecy coming. We don't have, you know, anything that's like way out there. Like, like I'm really familiar right now with Hosea, and how there's so much happening in that book. 
And there's a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of analogies used, and, and it requires a lot of explaining. This is pretty straightforward uh, listening. It, and, and even the Song of Solomon had a little bit more explaining to do. But Esther is very cut and dry, I think. Um, it just helps to kind of understand time frames and what's happening. You know, for instance, the king and Haman came into came today to a fe, uh, to a feast. Uh, this is Esther's modest request shows that she uh, c- has carefully thought about the best way to accomplish her ultimate purpose. Uh, in the ancient Near East, one would hold uh, one would one never made a major request right away, but paved away with minor uh, I- entries. So. Basically, what she's doing is, is she's kind of paving that path through. Um, she wouldn't just go out and and, and blatantly ask for uh, her biggest request. She's going to you know put these little pieces into into play and allow them to kind of uh, cultivate into this bigger one. Uh, verse five came to the feast, the sixth feast reported in Esther, uh, drinking wine, uh, Ahasuerus would have been in a mellow mood after a meal, seemingly good time for Esther to beg for his mercy for the Judeans. Her delay builds tension for the reader, though, and allows other events to actually take place. And verse 8, come to the feast, and tomorrow, by requesting an attendance to yet another banquet, Esther uh, puked the king's interest and aroused Haman's short-lived uh, arrogance. So, um, we we talked a few weeks ago on Haman and how uh, Mordecai was essentially disrespectful to him. And so, uh, the back half here, we'll I'm going to summarize these few verses. But these back, this back half from nine to the end of the chapter is is Haman trying to live that out and uh, the the hostility that he has for Mordecai. So verses one through eight, Esther does not make her intentions known immediately. But waits for the exact uh, waits for exactly the right moment. Ultimately, it is God who inspires Esther's delay in order to give Haman more rope to which he should hang himself. We are often impatient, eager to hurry things along, uh, and when God seems to act too slowly on our behalf, we may tr- still trust His wisdom and continue to pray with confidence uh, that Your good and gracious will be done. And and I find that as Christians, we we get ourselves so wrapped up in this you know immediateness of uh, the time. You know, we can have Amazon in most cities. Amazon ships the same day or next day delivery. You can have food delivered to your house. You can have groceries delivered to your house. I mean, you really don't have to leave. You can just live your life on the computer and have everything brought right to your fingertips. Uh, it, it's it's disheartening, honestly, because. You know, I, I left the lifestyle in Chicago for a small community here in Iowa. And in Chicago, we had everything at our fingertips. But here in Iowa, uh, everything's a, a drive and Amazon takes a week to get to you and nothing's right immediate. And so life is different. Life is slower paced and easier going. And I find that to be a tremendous blessing from God that he's telling me and my wife, Hey, slow down, enjoy the time with your kids, enjoy the time with your congregation, with your family and, and love on them. And that has been a tremendous blessing for me and my wife. And I am just so thankful for this opportunity. So, uh, you know, I find it as Christians, we can get ourselves so wrapped up in this. Oh, I want God to act right now. And, and most of the time, he's just kind of moving these little pieces that we can't see or understand into place. And then, 
you know, God will deliver on his promise. But that doesn't mean that he's going to give you all of your life's desires. It doesn't mean he's going to bring you a Ferrari tomorrow. It doesn't mean that he's going to, you know, um, unfold all of this stuff. It is simply that God's will will be done in your life. And whether that be for, you know, you to experience some sort of persecution or suffering, that is going to be the case. God will always see through uh, his will to be done. And and oftentimes a lot of it is to designed uh, to a- amplify your faith with God. So that's a whole nother series, a whole nother topic. But I really want to uh, highlight this image here that Esther is not making her known, her intentions known immediately. And she's waiting for the right time. And God is kind of in the background coercing her to that right moment. Uh, so let's jump to verse nine here. Um, again, I'm going to try and get this, these next handful of verses done because I want to, you know, stay true to my 30 to 35 minute episodes here. Uh, this Haman, uh, you know, went out with, uh, uh, that day with a joyful and glad heart. Uh, Esther's banquet had the des- desired effect on this enemy of the Judeans. Uh, neither rose nor trembled. Mordecai escalated his civil disobedience by failing to rise before Haman. Uh, filling him with even greater wrath. Haman restrained himself and went home. Previously, Haman had uh, disdained uh, to lay hands on Mordecai back in chapter 3, verse 6. And perhaps this is a sign of personal cowardice. Interesting little note. Uh, Verses 11 and 12, with his wife and friends as the audience, Haman enumerated his many achievements and honors. Uh, These included the opportunity to dine twice with the king and queen within 24 hours, Obviously, Haman was totally unaware of Esther's na- uh, national origin. Uh, worth nothing to me is Haman's obsessive hatred for Mordecai has become irrational. Uh, and 50 cubits high, the gallows are 75 feet, the height of a six-story building. That's pretty, that's pretty tall. <laughs> the height illustrated Haman's wrath to tell the king to have Mordecai hanged. Uh, irony, Haman's uh, wife and friends suggested that he first meet, uh, that he first direct the gallows and then tell the king what to do. Uh, their plan would misfire badly. Uh, so let's wrap up chapter five. Again, I'm trying to just kind of move through the text and highlight, you know, the big important pieces. So five, uh, nine through 14 here, pride goes before the destruction and the haughty spirit before the fall, Proverbs 16, 18. Uh, these words warn us not to walk in the footsteps of Haman. God humbles those who glorify themselves. Outwardly, Haman uh, has everything going for him, but because of his rage, he cannot enjoy what he has. And a striking contrast to Haman is Jesus Christ, who did not count uh, equally with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself for our salvation, Philippians uh, 2, 6-8. So, again, we we don't have God explicitly mentioned, but we see great contrast between the people that Israel encountered and a either an opposite or a foreshadowing to a greater Jesus to come. So there's a lot in this text that is essentially a rich material to look towards and say, you know, this is exactly what Israel experienced. These are the troubles and the circumstances that they found themselves in. And we can, uh, you know, look and and accept that this is again, biblical canon. So uh, chapter six, this is a near uh, comic turning point in the plot. Um, We've got a note here on uh, 
back in chapter 223 on the Chronicles. Uh, this was the hanged at the gallows refers not to a strangulation by a rope, but probably the impalement of a sharp spike or sharp stake and slow death by starvation. The Persian mode of execution with the Romans get the idea of the crucifixion. Uh, Chronicles, the official records of the Persian government, uh, were later a serious read of what Mordecai had done. So we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, but again, as we now open chapter six, we see this changing in the plot. Uh, and the king is going to actually honor Mordecai here in this chapter. So uh, verse two, Ahasuerus hears the report of how Mordecai had uncovered the assassination plot against him. Uh, jump into verse four, who is in the court. Uh, the kings wanted to consult with an advisor about how to reward Mordecai. Uh, Haman having Mordecai hanged, this vicious irony, Haman arrived at the palace early in the morning, eager to tell uh, the king that Mordecai must be executed. So Haman's walking in and he's got in the back of his mind, I'm going to kill Mordecai because he's disrespected me over and over and over again. And the king's looking to say, I'm going to give Mordecai this big reward for, for telling me that somebody tried to kill me. And so the two are going to obviously clash here. Uh, so we know that they have different agendas. Uh, the wording of the king's question is repeated six times in verses 6 through 11. The repetition becomes more humorous as Haman swells with his egotistical fantasies, vainly, uh, vainly images that he is the one that the king wants to honor. Ironically, the king keeps this person's identity secret, just as Haman had done when he requested that the king destroy a certain person back in chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, in verse 8, these royal robes and royal crown, great significance ha was achieved by the king's garments to wear the king's clothing was to partake in, of his power, stature, and fame. Haman's suggestion would only not bring great honor to the recipient, but also be flattering to the king. A turban resembling a crown was even placed on the, on the horse's head. And in verse 10 here, uh, hurry. This is repeated in verses 12 and 14. Developments uh, in chapters 1 through 5 move rapidly to their destined conclusion. So do so to Mordecai the Jew. The king's command must have floored Haman uh, that Ahasuerus should honor a Judean, suggests that he is unaware of Haman's written decree to destroy this people. We remember that back in chapter 3. Uh, Haman uh, then dressed Mordecai, the sweetest irony. Haman removed Mordecai's short hair, uh, or Mordecai's hair shirt, and burdened at the same time that Haman had planned for Mordecai's execution. The outcome determined uh, is reversed and revealing the powerless of fate and divination. All right, so let's move on here. Chap uh, verse 12. With his head covered is the gesture of mourning. And this is a, looking back to uh, Jeremiah 14 uh, or embarrassment. Uh, verse 13, the reversal of Haman's fortunes was so shocking that his wife and friends concluded that his impending downfall was certain. They recognized the irresistible hidden force working behind, working on behalf of the Judeans. So obviously we know that God isn't explicitly mentioned but there is this working of his hands in all of this. So uh, to summarize these 13 verses, again, there's uh, only one more verse in chapter 6, which is 14. 
Well, let's summarize these 13 here as I've got a note. Uh, the king, who is unable to sleep, hears Mordecai's good deeds and decides to honor him. Haman appears to arrive at the court just in time to become the king's agent appointed to honor the hated Mordecai. Uh, a skeptic might call this luck, but believers see that the events as a display of God's providence. A loving father, not random chance, governs world affairs and rules all things for the good of his people. The hands that were nailed to the cross are the hands of God. Who cares for you and me? So, you know, an interesting perspective. Again, it, it comes down to this line that we don't see God here mentioned, but we know God is working actively through these agents, and that is the king through Esther and through Mordecai, and essentially to bring deliverance, deliverance um, to the Judeans out of the hands of Haman, who just has this ex- explicit hatred for the Jews. So, uh, let's look at 14 here. Hurried to the feast, Haman was engrossed that in his own injured pride might and might have forgotten the queen's feast that he had not been summoned. He must have gone with great misgivings. Uh, so that wraps up chapter 6. Again, you know, I want to just move through the text, highlighting some of these verses as they come up and, and just discussing them. Uh, again, it, it, Esther's not you know, a book that's got a ton of prophecy. There's not, you know, we don't see God actively working, you know, explicitly, you know, Genesis is very different than Esther and Genesis. You have God speaking, you have God coming to Abraham, you have God coming to Isaac and Jacob and all the down the line. And you see such explicit detail on the text that you can really spend, you know, a 45 minute show just talking about just a small fraction of text. And, and Esther, we're just simply reading a historical narrative of a particular point in the Judean captivity. And so, you know, I, I try to, in you know, bring some light into this text and trying to help it to be understandable. And I pray that you've been reading along and, and looking at these verses with us. And even if you're driving, don't do that. Wait till you get home to look at the verses. But, uh, you know, mentally walk through them in your head and, and see where God is leading you in this. And I, and I pray it's to just edify you and bring you comfort that even in the midst of trouble, God is still working for the good of his people. And again, we may suffer as Paul and Peter tell us, we may experience persecution as every apostle was martyred. They killed Jesus. Why do we expect any less treatment when God is working for the good of his people? It's to bring salvation and eternal life to his people. That is, it is not about earthly blessings. It is not about prosperity or even health that is promised to us. It is simply we are to be delivered from sin, death, and the devil. Right there, we will have eternal life in Christ. That is God working the good for his people. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed what we've done so far. Again, we're going to probably drop the end of Esther on a Tuesday as a bonus episode so we can get into the Christmas series and not have to come back to Esther after Christmas. We want to move right on, make a clean cut shot into uh, Zachariah. So that is it. Let's uh, wrap this show, guys. I hope you have a great weekend, and I will see you all next week. Up.
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.